Salem says again, wearing another piece of costume, a hat with a pencil sticking out of it. Yeah. He says he he's never he never thought he feels so sensual about numbers. Yeah, he, does. he says. He, yeah. he, he does. He does say that. Yeah, he's wearing like a, a visor, like um, it's an accountant visor, or yeah, one like a, that you'd see in a poker. Well, game well the index. It's probably from the index. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah he is it, probably yeah. is literally from there. Um, yeah, but it's like his stockbroker he's supposed to be, I think, because yeah. he's he's watching all the watching all the profits rolling. Yeah. So yeah, so he's he's turned on by some numbers. Excellent. Maybe that can be a uh, little subplot in uh, Salem Origin stories. Remember, coming soon. The fact that he's obsessed with numbers and yeah. finding them so sexy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> could be oh, something. number two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <then> <laughs> some people are into that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um... <laughs> Hello and welcome to Sabrina the Teenage Watch, the podcast where three fabulous and flatulent fellas review all 163 episodes of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. My name is Phil, I am your most fabulous and most flatulent guy on the roster. Uh, I'm here to guide you through this adventure of all 163 of those episodes, but we're all fair here, we're all equal, and the two gentlemen that are joining me on this journey are equally as fabulous and flatulent as I. First of all, to the front and to the left of me, it's Mr. Graham Riley. Hello, Graham. Hello, Phil. Hello, listeners. Uh, we are indeed fabulous and flatulent. Um, <laughs> the bacon we eat before every episode, make sure of that. Um, <laughs> How are you, my friend? I'm very good, thank you. And um, Phil, something, I thought this yesterday, actually. Okay. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I I'm fine, thank you. We never asked. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a, it's taken what thirty odd episodes for someone to finally ask me. I've been I've been doing dreadful, mate. But no, thanks to you asking, I'm absolutely fabulous. Well, I've I've finally found some uh, compassion to complete my puzzle. <laughs> yeah, uh... Yes, and uh, that is the theme of the episode, which we will get into uh, very very shortly. But before that, we're going to talk to our uh, other fabulous and flatulent fella. It's Mr. Chris Evans. Hello, Chris. Hello, Phil. How are you, my friend? I, I'm good. I have one slight issue with what you said before it didn't make any sense you said that you were the most fabulous and flatulent and then you said that we were equally so that that doesn't make sense yeah but what happened was when i said that in the top of my eye i saw you uh, blow a gasket <laughs> so i thought i'll turn it round and include you all in and, and make sure that we're all an equal party but so. now we know the truth that you consider yourself above us so yeah you fuck with actually, <laughs> i actually don't care how you are um, <laughs> no, that's why i was so surprised when you asked that i was like no he's being he's He's being a dick right now. I know, but I came, I came up with that joke slash observation yesterday and I was determined to use it. <laughs> so uh, you couldn't have used it another day. Well, equality aside, we we're going to talk about this latest episode of Sabrina, which is episode 14, Five Easy Pieces of Libby. In this episode, um, well, Sabrina causes Libby to explode, as you do, and she turns into a jigsaw puzzle, which she must solve before she dies. Well, yeah, it... She'll cease to be a person. She'll live on as a jigsaw. Which isn't a life. Yeah, that's no. not a life. I mean, it's, I mean, we're not bashing anyone's choice of lifestyle. It could be a life that 
someone listening may want to live, but from this episode, it didn't seem. I don't doesn't th- seem the best way of life. I don't think Libby would enjoy being a jigsaw. No, very I'm- difficult to do cheerleading and bullying and all the other ho- other hobbies if you're a jigsaw. Yeah, I mean, uh, the only other way, obviously, the way of life to live as a jigsaw is as John Kramer did, and he obviously he killed everyone, didn't he? He was a serial killer as, as, as Jigsaw himself. Oh, of course, yes. So uh, there, there is two sides of, of the old Jigsaw coin, but no, with this one, uh, yeah, Libby blows up and uh, yeah, she's she's missing a few pieces. Phil, I don't know what Jigsaw you've been doing, but there's only one side to a Jigsaw, the picture side. If you try and do it the other way, you're going to fail miserably. Oh, is that how you... That's why I find them all so difficult. <laughs> It's all, all just, all just cardboard. <laughs> I thought he was just finding out different pieces that this, this cardboard goes together. Mate, no wonder you haven't been able to complete one in your 27 years on this planet. I thought... Whenever I... you talk about jigsaws, you're like, oh my god, why do so many people enjoy them? They're so shit! And now we know why. Yeah, I mean... you're I... doing it wrong. I thought jigsaw pieces, the, the decorative picture side was like on the decorative picture side of a playing card. Ah, I right. thought that's how it was. Now, okay. Uh, so, no, five easy pieces of Libby... Uh, Boys, did we enjoy this one before we start piecing it together? Oh, 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 oh. Um, yes, um, I did enjoy it a lot. I felt, and I did say this to you both um, just as we finished watching, it was very much, even though we praised season two when it began, it as you may have gathered from uh, recent episodes, and we have said as much, uh, it was really starting to grate upon us just how expansive, how over-the-top, zany... Um, rapid fire mm-hmm. it was becoming and we kind of missed the the heart and the heart was very literally um, a part of this episode it, it was it was mainly based within the school obviously magic came into play as it always should in Sabrina but in a way that kind of helped us find out more about a character and helped Sabrina herself grow as a person um, it was yeah it, and it was also very funny it was yeah most of what I look for in Sabrina the Teenage Witch, most of what I've come to appreciate and enjoy from this show, was uh, evident in this episode. So it's yes, good. So it's it. a good. It's a good um, sort of frame of mind. Then before we start talking about this episode, to know that you know it was it was a return to form as such. Yeah. Do you agree as much, Chris? I have another observation. Okay. Oh, my observation in this is that we didn't lose the zany nature of season two that no. we have come to know. What happened was they split it into segments. So we tracked Sabrina and we tracked the heart of the show. Yes, magic came into play and there was a few uh, moments of, that was good. But the zany nature stayed within and was a storyline with Salem, Hilda and Zelda. Yes. And that was perfect. It's like you're keeping your zaniness, you're keeping that in one contained story that just so happens to be coinciding with this lovely sort of bullying school thing on the other side. Yeah. So, in that respect, best of both worlds. Two pots, they both worked. Yeah. Okay, well, let's crack on with this episode anyway. Are we ready? We are. Excellent, let's go. So the episode opens up with Zelda declaring that she's finally done it. She's perfected an anti-allergy potion because she found the missing ingredient, which was ostrich saliva. Got an issue with this. Why? The goss from birds are striking a chord with you. I was, yeah, of course it is. I mean, I'm not... How much saliva does an ostrich produce? Do birds have saliva? Yeah, I didn't think they had cylindrical glands. One, one thing... I mean, they... I don't know. Have you ever been licked by a bird? 
<laughs> um, they do. Uh, Giggity. They do. They do. Um, they do need to digest, so they must have that you know digestive glands. But I don't... oh, oh shit! No, I was thinking that I've been spat at by an ostrich, but I'm not. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I think I think it just I think it just tried to to get its beak in the in, in the in the in the. No, in the, in the so ca- just in... look at it, just go. <laughs> I think it just tried to put his beak in the car and menace me. I had it spat on the window, but I think oh, I was thinking right. of um, of um, a camel. Yes, <laughs> camel on, on, on the on the same uh, on the same safari. Um, not an actual safari. Oh, he's got a nosely, a nosely safari. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, then uh, yeah, a cam- camel did uh, vigorously lick our window. So uh, yeah. Yeah, that would have been a more the obvious camel. one, like camel spit or llama spit, but yeah, ostrich saliva. No, I've been, I've been, I, I can you be bitten by a parrot? <laughs> yes. No, bitten, they, do they have teeth? I don't even think they no, have they teeth. No, they don't have teeth, but they have very hard beaks. Beaks. Yeah. To crack stuff but, open, so it still, it still hurts to be bitten by I was a bird. S- yeah, but a parrot has a tongue, yes. and I've been bitten by a parrot, but I don't remember it being moist. Hmm. I mean, cats have very dry tongues, don't oh, they? Oh, good grief. I yeah, think... but they, they salvate. So do dogs. I think ostriches and other uh, birds, they probably do produce saliva, but very little. And that's why it's such a rare commodity. And that's why Zelda's only hit upon this now. Do you have to get like an earbud and sort of... Possibly. Maybe. Maybe. Swab it out. Yeah. Tell you what I'll do is I will try and reach out to a zoologist <laughs> and ask them... Do uh, do ostriches produce saliva? How and how much? Hilda, unconvinced and heavy-handed, knocks it out of Zelda's hands, causing it to smash and affect the kitchen, which makes everything clean, including Salem, who is now bright white. I'm blonde! Now my IQ has dropped 20 points, he remarks before running away from three very offended blonde One witches. of which is a scientist. <laughs> yes. So another is a mastermind murderess. Yes. Yes. Oh, one of them is is a, an intelligent high schooler. Yeah, she seems, she, she seems well. She seems to do. She seems to do all right. Yeah, she seems to be the only one out of them that has actually gone to mortal school. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, three very intelligent ones, and but, Salem was stupid enough to get himself turned into a cat. So evidently, he's the dumb one. The thing is, we spill this potion, yeah, which is essentially magical bleach it is very magical (laughs) it's it's magical bleach there's nothing it's bleach but magical bleach is everything did it bleach Salem's arsehole oh something that does cause offence is uh, the title sequence as always and uh, she's dressed as a is it a flapper dancer is that the actual name whoa 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 whoa, whoa. let's back up a tick what she was wearing was a sort of shout out to the 1920s flapper girls, but it was it's a not... shame because they're all dead. They ain't gonna hear it. They won't, they won't appreciate it. Um, but it led up to what's with all the flap? Nice. <laughs> worked. Yeah, it worked. It was the thing. It, was, yeah. it happened. Yeah, it wasn't a fact. It wasn't really a joke. It was just a remark. Well, it was a it was a loose pun based yeah. on the costume, which wasn't accurate. No. But regardless of the fact, we'll we'll move on. In the school, a Mrs. Quick informs the newspaper crew that she has entered the school into the 
Democracy. <laughs> it is. It's a democracy. It it's a democracy film. Yeah, you, you, oh, yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It, we're recording the phrase now. Democracy. We tell it like it is, folks. Um, it's democracy of the world. That's yeah. what it is. Uh, no, she's uh, she's entered the newspaper crew into the Democracy Days contest uh, where they need to make a float. And this is because uh, they've sent Valerie on a trip to Washington, D.C., is she? And she's, yeah. she's, she's gone to visit loads of tombs of dead guys. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> she's been she's having a lovely time though she's not gone to a tomb of the 1920s flappers though <laughs> no she's not no but yeah inspired by the uh, sort of the morose nature of, of Valerie and her appreciation for all the dead people uh, this uh, this contest requires them to make a float all about uh, democracy she asks the class who would like to be in charge of it and unfortunately both Sabrina and Libby raise their hands so they must work together on it which is a major bummer for all. At home, and the house is still spotless because it has rid every room of every possible allergy trigger. Hilda reckons they should sell the concoction, but Salem says the ostrich saliva will never be passed by the board. That uh, they're always the FDA, yeah. he says, which is yeah. the Food Development Agency or something, and they're basically the American governmental department that decides if items produced for human consumption are dangerous or not. Um, of course, in now they're probably run by a mad scientist um, who, you know, seen as every government department in America is now run by somebody who believes that department shouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. I imagine you can probably get all kinds of shit past it in Trump's America. Hilda tells her that it isn't even doing the thing that she wanted it to, so she gets in a strop and leaves. Still wanting to get away and make a quick book, Hilda suggests to Salem that they steal her formula for themselves. Is this the moment where we've got Salem in the first instance wearing his John Lennon glasses? Yes, he yes. Is, yeah, he's got little <laughs> tiny glasses because it's the the uh, kitchen's so gleaming that he can't yeah. really see. But yeah, he's got little little teeny tiny trendy glasses. We briefly jump back to school where the float design is coming on nicely. Well, at least for Libby anyway, who is only using her ideas and is putting herself firmly in charge. Back in the Spellman house, an operation find the allergy formula that also cleans, don't get caught and make a lot of money, is officially underway. Meanwhile, back in the school gymnasium, an operation Libby gets what she wants is also running as planned. After some snooping, Hilda finally finds it just before Zelda walks in on their thievery. So, mm. And then she does a turn to the camera, a close-up of the camera... And her eyes go like slot machines. Good lord. Oh, it's a little weird. It's not the effect. It's the setup. No, it's it. both, mate. <laughs> the effect is strange. I mean, it's not bad, per se. I don't know if it's really good, either. It just it just is. Um, but it's mainly, in order for you to see enough of the character's eyes mm-hmm. for them to insert this, um, you know, sort of... I guess primitive sort of computer graphic of um, like a cash register rolling yeah. and yeah, obviously stopping on a dollar sign, seen it in many, many cartoons. They need to turn to the camera, stare at the camera for at least a second, which is enough to creep you out <laughs> yeah. before um, the uh, effect takes over and their eyes are replaced with dollar signs. Yeah, it's it's you hit the nail on the head there, Graham. Cartoon. It- yeah, it's yeah. the only place that I've ever seen it work. Yeah, and and I think for because obviously we're always praising the effects of the team, but then this this one it it kind of doesn't fit with it. I think if it was a bit further out or it was something a bit more cool, their effects are usually so creative. And here, as we were saying, they're just they're just doing a, a cartoon effect in real life. It just seemed a bit lazy. Like didn't need to do that. Yeah, it was a yeah. It was. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love 
Beth Broderick and Caroline Ray's faces, but if they're a bit too close up, it creeps me out a little so bit. They're staring into your very soul, <laughs> yeah. even if only for a second before their eyes are replaced with dollars. <laughs> yeah, it was a little creepy. Yeah. Back at school, and Libby is still continuing to upset Sabrina by messing up her work. I say messing up, she's just tearing it off the float. Yes, we need to talk about Harvey, though. And yes. What, he, what he's doing um, in this in this uh, episode, we only see Harvey on his back. Yeah, I believe, we do. We more do. or less in this episode, um, he is uh, tinkering with the engine of the float. He is, yes. So, I mean, I'm I'm not an expert on parades or floats. No. What? Okay, that's okay. Um, but I imagine for the most part they are parade floats are just trucks. Just with stuff on the back of yeah. them, and maybe the front of the truck is decorated, so you're not too conscious that it's a truck, like. Why would this have an engine? Like this is like a bespokely engineered vehicle yeah. for a high school parade. They've built their own vehicle, haven't they? Where do like... you steer it? I don't, don't, don't see the controls to this thing. Yeah, and a... what kind of an engine could you fit underneath this? Like, because isn't it like it's like it's just plywood, isn't it? Yeah, and and it's an engine that Harvey reckons he can get up to ninety miles per hour. Yeah, <laughs> guys, I do actually have. A, I'm not an expert. I do have a little bit of information. What? If memory serves, from what I've learned from watching too much TV and films, yeah. um, it's the the engine is actually it's like an old car and they've stripped it back right, to just yeah. the chassis, and then they've built this plyboard over the top of yeah. it. So we've got the wheels and we've got an an actual car engine to drive yes. it. But traditionally, rather than try and get it up to ninety miles an hour, they limit it to about four miles an hour. Yes, and that way you can have the flow and chugs it chugs along, look, yeah. you know, and it just chugs along. Yeah. Well, there's that scene in The Simpsons where they try and escape in a parade float. A, it only goes at four miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. And B, when they gain speed, all the flowers and stuff come up and so everybody can see them just in this, like, shell of a car. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. No, it's very silly. But, yeah, we see we see Harvey a couple more times still hanging around this float. Um, it gets a little dangerous for him later, but we will, uh, we will get to that. Sabrina resorts to using a distancing spell between her and Libby, which will keep Libby at least five paces away from her which seems to do the trick. However, in the girls' bathroom, the Quizmaster rocks up to extend his authority because he is acting on behalf of the Spell Police. Uh, different different branch, I guess. Diff- yeah, different branch, police. I guess. Um, you know, much like in Canada, you have the regular police and you have the Mounties. Yeah. I guess, you know, you've got, you've got the Witch Police and you've got the Spell Police. He's dressed as, like, a regular, like, sort of traffic cop, isn't he? Yeah. He looks a bit like the lead singer of the Village People. Um, <laughs> He does, he does, he does, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so he, he reverses the spell, so now uh, the situation we're dealing with is rather than um, Libby cannot get within five paces of Sabrina, mm-hmm. Sabrina cannot let Libby get more than five paces away from her. Yes, and if she tries to do something and get out of the way, terrible things will happen. Something that will apparently scare her to the very depths of her soul. Yeah, which would well, something do- she does break the terms of the spell and something does happen. Yes. Which, if it happened to me or you, or anybody else in the mortal realm, would scare you to the depths of your oh, soul. Good grief, I think sums it up, yeah. If a person just poofed and disappeared and then later re-emerged as a puzzle, that would be uh, pretty, uh, pretty uh, hair-raising, to say the least. But Sabrina, being used to magic, I don't think it really... 
just scare it to death. So no, it's just, uh, it's just, some, now it's more like oh, no, not this shit again. Well, well what, what, what should have happened was is her punishment should have been like a week's work experience with Madame Epidermis. I mean, yeah. that that would that scare, oh, scare it to death. Yeah. So. Above, yeah. Back home, and Hilda and Salem are sat on the couch watching their TV commercial for Zelda's cleaning potion, or rather, scientist in a drum. She uses, I don't know if you caught this guy, she uses a dungeon brick as the subject of her work. Yes, she does. Yes, she does indeed. She goes, take this dungeon block. Look how gleaming and sparkly it is. So she's definitely using it for the dungeon. Good, to see, found the, out. good to see the dungeon mentioned again. We always, uh, we always pop for that. Somebody else who is mentioned, Bruce Jenner. Do you think that they wanted him to appear and he said no, but they kept that in anyway? Oh, maybe. It's a bit strange. This uh, The individual who was then known as Bruce Jenner um, has since sort of become known almost, well, by a different name and a different gender, but also just for completely different things to what he was known for at the time. He was a gold medal decathlete. Twice. 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 Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and in the 19... 1970s? Yeah, 1976 uh, Montreal Olympics, I believe he won his, at least his first gold. He was already at the time married to the mother of the Kardashian sisters, who've since gone on to become the most inexplicably famous people on earth. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, a couple of years ago, he underwent gender reassignment surgery and became Caitlyn Jenner. Yes. And now obviously she identifies herself as a woman. Yeah, it's just interesting to go to go back to then when literally I imagine all people would think of when they thought of Bruce Jenner was athletes for us now. Yes. There's this career in reality TV. There's the fact that obviously she has become a woman, obviously thus become sort of like, you know, a sort of um advocate in a sort of, you know, like of um, of trans rights and sort mm-hmm. of made made more because of just how ridiculously famous the Kardashian Jenner family is, you know, yeah. sort of Opened a lot more people's eyes to the issues of uh, of transgender people as well. But you know, we're back. You know, this was just a joke, I guess, about making Bruce Jenner's medals even sparklier. I guess I, I, maybe, maybe, maybe. I, I mean, uh, maybe he very, maybe he was somebody who endorsed uh, a lot of just like products. Yeah, yeah, just, like, yeah you know, possibly. Yeah. So, so he put his name to anything at the time. Maybe yeah, that was what but, he was known for. I don't know. Uh, Zelda walks in and she's upset about Hilda marketing her formula. And just as she's going to dispute it in copyright court, dozens of orders coming through. And after smelling all of the potential dough they'll rake in, Zelda agrees that a clean house will help mankind after all. And then she stares at us into the very depths of our soul, and her eyes Chitching. twinkle. What was it she said? It was like, a, oh, a clean house would mean less dust, which means less people suffering from asthma. That's yes. how she uh, That's how she thingied it in her yeah, mind. Yeah, so by kind of like a friend of a friend of a friend, by these various branches, mm. it is kind of helping. And then um, Salem uh, tells us that Mr. Sheen was this close to a Nobel Prize, <laughs> which I really enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, so may- maybe Zelda will finally get that. I think yeah, that's he I- lost out to Mr. Muscle, didn't he? <laughs> he, 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 did, he did, yeah. He was, he was, he was robbed. Uh, let's not even get started on the Toilet Duck. I no. mean, Toilet Duck was... Pff, that what? accepting speech was... A quacker. Yeah. Yeah. It was a quacker. Well done, Chris. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I've been sitting on that for a while, guys. I think this is turning into a an arc which might continue over the entire show. Sort of Zelda's quest for a Nobel Prize and um, everything she comes up with is kind of snubbed by other things, or everything she comes up with goes wrong. So yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe this is something that we'll, well, we'll keep revisiting. Maybe well, she'll get there eventually. Yeah. yeah, maybe. But at the same time, hang on a tick. She's going for a Nobel Prize now. In my head, I'm thinking Nobel Prize in the mortal realm. But everything she's making has magical qualities. Yeah. So how is she going to be able to market it to mortals 
if it's got magical qualities. Maybe it's just like when you go to like restaurants and they've got the secret sauce. It's, it's maybe it's just like that. Here we go. This is this is a secret potion. I'm not telling yeah. you anything about it. Only I can make it. Yeah, I think. Yeah, she's. I mean, if if she came to the Nobel um, Prize committee and said, "Look at this. I've invented this. Look what it can do." They wouldn't be like. You've obviously used magic there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but she'd have to like provide a formula to prove. Well, she could provide a fake formula, I guess. But then it wouldn't add up, and they'd know because they're smart people. Because they. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I, I don't know how she'd get around it, but she's determined to find something which has uses in the mortal realm, and is something which mortals think is possible, you know, like cures for certain uh, ailments and things, like, like acne, acne, like yeah. acne um, and asthma, and, you know, but we've never quite found anything that actually does eradicate these things. But it's conceivable that somebody someday might. So I think she's hoping that she'll come up with something which um, eradicates them, and therefore people will be like, oh, so, so someone's finally been smart enough to do that, and then they'll give her the prize. Yeah. But will it stand up to the uh, the chemical scrutiny? We no, don't know. Maybe. Well, we'll, we'll uh, hopefully that this will be something that will continue to to flesh out anyway. At cheerleading practice, and Sabrina is giving it a go to make her shadowing less suspicious. However, Libby says her involvement is putting the team off because she won't stop screaming, please let me die. Uh, she says she wants to find some common ground with Libby, but then Libby says every ground with Sabrina is common. Oh! Libby has some choice um, <laughs> put downs in this episode, and that was probably my favourite. Yeah, yeah. I, I, be- <clears throat> I believe it's uh, you're going to need some aloe vera for that burn. <laughs> yeah, <indeed. laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah, any we might as well uh, dive into it now. Uh, the bastard scale. What are we awarding Libby for this episode? Um, because I mean, she's a puzzle in in about thirty seconds time. Libby so. is the only representative uh, from the bastard scale in this episode. She, yeah, she's pretty horrible to spread in this episode, but we do we do see you know at last a degree of humanity yeah. and uh, you know vulnerability to, to Libby, which makes me not want to come down too harsh on her in this episode because it's one of the few where she actually comes out of it with a shred of sort of. Decency and, and empathy from the from the audience yeah, and from Sabrina yeah. as well. Yeah, we, we do see a bit of reason to the rhyme in this in this yeah. episode. You know, story behind her. But saying every ground that you are on is common, that's a bastard point. <laughs> that's a bastard <laughs> point, without a doubt. Yeah. We're, we're going to award her something special. We're going to give her a bastard point, but then I think a light, a very light round of applause because I think that's a very good burn. <laughs> yes, a very good joke, very clever. Golf cap. Yeah. Uh, so Sabrina is all sick of all the hatred that she's getting off Libby, so she decides to fuck the Quizmaster's warning and pull away from the spell, which literally causes Libby to explode. But luckily, instead of flesh and charred bone, there is a puzzle box where Sabrina seemingly must solve it to bring Libby back. Well, she Sabrina actually says, oh, I don't care what happens to me. Yeah. Ah, but it's not something that happens to her, though, is it? Yeah, so she thought it was going to be something terrible that was going to yeah happen to her yeah. herself, yeah, punishment for her. Which, in and of itself, displays her sort of self-absorption, in yeah. this, if that's a word, in this situation. Um, yeah, she, she didn't really think about how, how this affects Libby, because she... I know Libby is horrible to her, but she always doesn't see Libby as a person. Mm. She just sees Libby as... This this nuisance, an, an obstacle. This obstacle, and I guess Libby. I think Libby probably appreciates Sabrina more because if there was nobody to be mean to, I think Libby'd be very miserable. Whereas mm, I'm pretty sure she'd find someone else. She'd find some, but if there was no one, if there was mm. literally nobody, if 
she couldn't find fault with anybody. Yeah, because Sabrina kind of challenges as she fights back at her. Okay, you know, like it's in season two, she's got a bit of sass behind her because she's been at school for a year now. She's yeah. used to Libby now, so I think Sabrina gives she gives as good as she gets. I think. Yeah. So I think I think yeah, in some ways, Libby does need Sabrina around. Yeah, if ever, if everybody was what Libby considers cool and trendy, so cheerleaders and football players, basically, um, and we've seen she's not very nice to her cheerleading squad, no. but um, nonetheless, people who are complete sort of like willingly just misfits to that whole world she needs them whereas Sabrina doesn't need Libby giving a shit all the time yeah, yeah. so I think Sabrina probably regards Libby with less humanity than Libby regards Sabrina yeah mm. interesting bit of character development there anyway so back home and Hilda and Salem are running a sweatshop style operation with poor Zelda running herself to the ground to make buckets of this cleaning formula whilst Hilda and Salem just wear hats and shout demands I think that's probably the I mean I'm sure they're probably very well paid which Zelda um, isn't although yes. again she's getting to cut the profits um, being a scientist in the sort of commercial sector is probably more or less like that. You can't pursue whatever you want to pursue. You've got to just make products for this company. And they're raking in the profits to get the credit. Phil is laughing because he's thinking about the Laboratoire Garnier sketch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what like I can read his mind. But, um, yeah, yeah, that Mitchell and Webb uh, sketch. Yeah, was it the Laboratoire? Yeah. yeah. The Laboratoire. <laughs> and it's Monsieur Garnier. Monsieur Garnier. With a Yorkshire yeah. accent. <laughs> Was he invent a cure for... Uh, it's something like cancer. Alzheimer's. 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 Yeah. Yes, he's, he's, these scientists have come up with a, uh, yeah, a a cure for Alzheimer's. Does it make my hair shine? <laughs> Can we use it in the new new tree strange? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> this is my laboratoire. <laughs> Sally. So we haven't had anything come out of here since Sally came up with the word nutrice. It sounds like nutritious, but isn't. Yeah, but it doesn't guarantee it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. so yeah, we're all two alike. Oh, we know what we're all laughing at. <laughs> Salem says, again, wearing another piece of costume, a hat with a pencil sticking out of it. Yeah. He says he, he's never, he never thought he feels so sensual about numbers. Yeah, he, does. He, says, he, yeah. He, he does. He does say that. Yeah, he's wearing like a, a visor, like um... it's an accountant visor, yeah, like one a, that you'd see in a poker. Well, game the or index is probably from the index. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah he probably is. It, probably yeah. is literally from there. Um, yeah, but it's like it's stockbroker. He's supposed to be, I think, because yeah. he's he's watching all the watching all the profits rolling. Yeah. So yeah, so he's he's turned on by some numbers. Excellent. Maybe that can be a uh, little subplot in. Uh, Salem Origin stories, remember, coming soon. The fact that he's obsessed with numbers and yeah. find them so sexy. Yeah. yeah. Could be oh, something. number two. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Some people are into that. Um, but, um... Their bickering well. is cut short by Sabrina, who asks for their help concerning the Libby puzzle. Oh, Sabrina, did you blow up a mortal? Zelda asks. <laughs> you. <laughs> it's a common again, occurrence. Again, that, that, that just shows, like, say, it doesn't really scar your soul. It's just, oh, yeah. Just, just, not again. Well, in fairness, it's Libby again. So it's we've had goat, pineapple, jigsaw. Is that it? I swear um, there's more. She, her personality's been changed. She's been changed into a geek. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. Uh, so she's... Um, which did affect the physical appearance as well, of course. Yeah, she's, she's been kind of, Parkinson's. <laughs> she's kind of like, turning into like a goat and a jigsaw and a pineapple. She's kind of like an animorphous like, transformer or something. It's she completely just... involuntary transformations, <laughs> yeah. unlike, unlike those those guys. Yeah. but And, and as well, like, because they're all like, oh, Sabrina, did you blow up someone? This puzzle, like, I mean, we learn in a sec that if she doesn't piece um, Libby back together, that she'll obviously not come back you because it doesn't directly affect you you don't have to put it back together 
I it's, guess. It's a life lesson, not a punishment as such. You might end up wanted for their... Uh... Mind you, if they disappeared, then you can't be wanted for their murder. But you're questioned with regard to their disappearance. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, obviously, they'd search your house, and if they found a jigsaw puzzle of the person, that'd be a bit weird. They'd be like, at the very least, you're extremely obsessed with them. (laughs) (laughs) Probably have killed them or kidnapped them or done something. So a very purple quizmaster pops up and tells Serena that in order to fix this, she has to piece Libby back together. So with that, we're treated to an extremely 90s industrial metal-esque montage of a jigsaw being built. Industrial metal is this week's <laughs> That's So 90s. This isn't a very action packed scene. No. We've what? got. That's sort of staying the jigsaw puzzle. But there's, there's two elements to it, though. There's um, the Spellman girls doing the jigsaw. Yeah. And there's Salem doing something in the Some, lab. Something maniacal. He's just laughing and uh, yeah. causing fires and yeah. such. Yeah. And um, stirring. Um, Beakers, beakers with his jacked arms. I bet he could yeah. give him a good stir, couldn't he? Um, so yeah, low energy, but high decibels. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it, I love, I love. I think this is my favourite montage so far because it just doesn't work. Like the, the yeah, the music and the the uh, the shots and the, well, the actual activity going on just doesn't work. But I love it because it's so weird. It's kind of like prog as well because it starts kind of. Kind of low key, and then but by the by the end, you are you are headbang. It's like Tool. Yeah, I was it's just gonna say. Just... <laughs> <laughs> so you've got Tool playing around, yeah, yeah. just while they're piecing this jigsaw together, and um, it turns into a bit of a music video because this the shot gets a little grainy and spelled yeah, and slowed down. There's a bit of Dutch tilts and swoops and things, yeah. But yeah, it didn't really make any sense at all but much like Valerie dancing with Drew Carey it's a kind of weird nonsense I'm glad was there because it, it, it's fun to talk about it, very very strange it's at this point though I mean we've done the, the soundtrack to this montage but I'd like which didn't really match but I'd like to congratulate once again the props and costume department for of Sabrina the Teenage Witch they created an entire jigsaw puzzle they did let's not yeah. let's not gloss over that they made a Near life size. Near life size, because at the end of the episode, the jigsaw turns into Libby. Yeah. And it's pretty, pretty bob on. Like, yeah. yeah, near life size. Which, it, and again, praise the effects department, that jigsaw turning into Jenny Lee Green, absolutely yeah. seamless. But, yeah. The whole fact that even in the montage as well, we had the Quizmaster and Zelda hold up each of her arms. And so they've had to create different versions of the puzzle so that they can be used in different segments yeah, as well. Yeah, it's... It, and not to mention all of Hilda's uh, attempts to make the puzzle fit. Yes, and she got a pair of scissors out, and she was going to cut a piece of piece of the puzzle. Mate, she what got a welding kit out. Yeah, <laughs> she got a welding kit out, man. So twice, Olivia has been transformed into non-human form, and Hilda has tried to maim her while she's <laughs> yeah. in that non-human form. If, if Hilda had cut a piece of the puzzle to make it fit. Would Libby come back and go, oh, so this massive gash or this piece of flesh taken I, out? I, I don't know. I mean, what would couldn't have been any uh, less gruesome than Zelda's uh, skin hanging off her cheek. But um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. Going back to the jigsaw, like it, the fact that they built a medieval set a couple of episodes ago mm. um, for, to, to tell a mortal, they've just made an, a, like a, an at least a five foot jigsaw. And rest assured, I mean, obviously they did have digital effects. They've got excellent effects for, like, um, you know, the spells and transformations and things. But things like a jigsaw 
the size of Jenny Lee Green, <laughs> of Jenny Lee Green, yeah. which I'm sure didn't exist, other than maybe in some weirdo's uh, attic. <laughs> um, yeah. They, yeah, they would have had to have built that shit. They would have had to have put that shit together. And the same yeah. with the sets that appear like once, even though despite being really elaborate. Like, yeah, the, the, the man and woman hours that will have gone into putting shows together back then, like, you know... People today who can just green screen the shit out of everything, they do not know that they are born. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just well done, guys. Yeah. Bloody well done. Awesome. <laughs> golf, uh, clap. golf clap. Golf clap. Yeah, golf clap. So once the hilarious visual antics are finished, it turns out that there are some pieces missing. Sabina is then told that if she fails to find all of those missing pieces before the sand timer runs out, Libby will remain a puzzle forever. Libby's pieces are apparently scattered within certain aspects of her day-to-day life, so Sabrina naturally heads to the obvious place, the bin, to hunt through Libby's leftovers. Yummy. She then heads to the float, where she only has 45 minutes left. She's been pissing around, hasn't she, to save (laughs) Libby's life? She doesn't find a puzzle piece, but she does find Harvey, who has been sleeping under the float's engine, seemingly huffing off the fumes. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, Harvey can be a bit dim-witted. Maybe now we know why. Yeah. Carbon monoxide poison. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he spends... After he has an argument with his dad, he just <laughs> sits in the garage in his car with the windows open and thinks about it. Yeah. Things are getting very dark. And, and, and he comes back and he's like, Dad, everything's fine. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm floating like a cloud. <laughs> But no, yeah, he's been huffing at it because, I mean, the quizmaster is invisible at this point. He just goes, it's the fumes. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah. Oh, look, there's a very, very funny bit where uh, Serena doesn't realise that uh, quizmaster is invisible. And she goes, oh, I'm, I'm here with my friend. And he just goes, invisible. <laughs> I'm here. Have you met? Oh, no, ha- have you met my friend? And yeah. he goes, invisible. Have you met my friend Cindy? Oh, you'll have to meet her sometime. <laughs> yeah. um, he's just like, what? Yeah. Again, why why was the quizmaster invisible though? Because he was he's he's been un un uninvisible before. He's been he, visible. He's been visible. He's been, he's, he's been he's been the new lunch lady, yeah, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, but I mean, if you just rocked up wearing an all purple, silky, shiny suit, mate, I'd flaunt it. Qu- questions would be asked, and you've not got time. She's got forty five minutes. Yeah, I mean, I guess Sabrina, this grown man, constantly appearing in the school. Probably would raise questions after a while, so maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe he's realised I can't keep showing up here. <laughs> yeah, I can't keep being that that dinner lady anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit weird. Fifteen more minutes have passed, and she's still no closer to solving the puzzle. That is until she opens Libby's locker and finds out that she's bad at maths and the fact that she cares about it. So because she finds something out about her life, a puzzle piece appears in her notebook. The puzzle piece then has Libby's address on it, so she heads there for the next clue. It's, it's like a... Um... It's like a bloody treasure hunt. You know when you get one of those... Scavenger. 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 Yeah, yeah, that's the one. It's a yeah. scavenger hunt. Yeah, I love Memento. those. They are amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But to, but essentially a life hangs in the balance. I mean, I, I can't imagine it'd be that fun. It's yeah. the most high-stakes scavenger hunt there has ever been. <laughs> yeah, it's like if you go orienteering, it's not like if you don't come back, we'll kill somebody yeah. <laughs> you know like you can take all the time you want yeah. but here's a map here's a compass you need to find the location otherwise everyone dies <laughs> yeah. so yeah good grief but we do find uh, out a bit more about uh, Libby's life particularly her home life as we arrive at the Chesler residence and we meet Mrs Chesler who is just an adult version of Libby in every way well except that she favours the word kook rather than freak yes everyone's a kook Kook. And I guess kook is a bit more of like an older sort of... Sort of uh, reminds me of Nixon. 
Yeah, well, he, he, he was a. I am not a cook. But yeah, it's it's yeah, very much like a seventies sort of thing. David Bowie had a song called Kooks, for mm-hmm. example. Um, so yeah, it was, it was it was a nice little sort of um, more age appropriate, but nonetheless exactly the same as Libby sort of yeah. um, cos cosmetic like semantic difference between them but they are essentially the same person yeah but, but we, we, we see this you know huge luxurious uh front room and stuff so she's yeah. a very privileged child but we, we know this anyway she's talking about going to the, the country club and things isn't yeah, she, uh, yeah mrs chesler sabina understands that this is where libby gets her meanness from so a puzzle naturally appears on mrs chesler's back which she has to like peel off her blazer she's yeah. like fuck are you touching me for what, what did she say she's like just reminding you that we're here or something yeah like just that. reminding you, you that, that we I, I am here oh yeah because again yeah invisible yeah because she's, she's saying that she's <laughs> invisible <a> quiz master <laughs> so she goes upstairs to a bedroom to, to find Libby's room to find uh, the clue um, and the clue on this latest piece states that she should look for something that doesn't belong you know I was talking about some weirdo in his attic having a life size puzzle of generally green <laughs> yeah the decor in Libby's room was what the decor in that weirdo's attic would be. Yeah. Just picture upon picture of Libby. A massive picture. Like, yeah. there's a huge picture of her, like, a kid. Not just as, a, like, as growing up, just pictures of her now. Like, I think there are a few, like, childhood pictures. And I always love childhood pictures in film and TV because they probably are the actual childhood pictures of the actor. Yeah, there's a few younger ones, but for the most part they are Libby as she is now. And there's a very sort of, like, model-esque sort of picture of Libby mm-hmm. downstairs, isn't there, in the front yes, room as well? Yeah. Is this to do with sort of being a bit self-absorbed, self-obsessed, or is it sort of uh, you know out of vanity, or is it a um, uh, insecurity, yeah. sort of reassuring yourself? Yeah, or, or yeah. is it, you know it's a matter of like insecurity, and she likes to be reminded that she is uh, good-looking because she doesn't feel comfortable. Or... Well, most most people who have who are in love with themselves have deep-seated insecurities about themselves. I mean, you know the the president for example you know <laughs> um you know it, it's evidently born out of a deep insecurity and a desperation to prove yourself to be above everybody else yes yeah. so uh, yeah but yeah i mean because that's shown like in in the front room you know but you can see that libby's mom probably doesn't give her as much attention she's always just bothered about her own appearance her own reputation and so maybe it is a case of at least in my bedroom i'm reminded that somebody loves me even if it is me, me. <laughs> but yeah the, the piece on the jigsaw says that uh, she's got to uh, she should look for something that doesn't belong so it doesn't take her long to spot the one purple frame amidst the 20 gold picture frames <laughs> however instead of a puzzle piece it says buy 20 gold frames get one purple frame free <laughs> Sabrina is a funny show but I very rarely belly laugh I belly laughed at all that all three of us howled brilliant absolutely brilliant again you know, uh, I think Frank Carney wrote this episode. Um, yeah, just a great, great buy, gag. Buy 20 gold frames, yeah. get a purple one for yeah. free. Fantastic. Uh, after trashing her room, she finally spots a picture of Libby's grandma, along with a message from her reminiscing about a wonderful day out she had, showing a softer side to her and the, nas- uh, the final piece of the puzzle. She took her to the ballet. She did, yes. Yeah. And grandma promises, next time I see you, We'll go on a roller coaster of your choice. Yes. Um, we assume that Grandma perhaps has since passed away, and that's why yeah. Libby keeps this by her side. Did she die in a roller coaster crash? <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. May- that would explain why she is on the bastard scale. And maybe Libby blames herself for this, and that's why, you know. Maybe that maybe that's the 
source of her angst, of her being the way she is. She loved her grandmother. Her grandmother went on a roller coaster when she was very old. It was a treat for her. Roller coaster crashed, or maybe it was too much for Granny. She had a heart attack or something. Mm. And next to Libby as well. Next to Libby. Yeah. Libby watched this happen. Libby blamed herself for it happening. Her only way to get through life is to be horrible to people. Yeah. I mean, Jesus, we, man. Have we have That's we been dark. on? I mean, there's fast roller coasters in the world, but if we've been on on uh, Rita, yeah, in, in I've been on Rita, Alden Towers. Yeah. So obviously that shoots off really, really fast. <laughs> there's one time I, uh, I was sat next to a, next to a friend of mine, and she asked her partner in front like a question like oh and he turned around to ask her the question just just as the ride went and he had to spend the and because of the g-force pushing his head back (laughs) he had to spend the entire two minutes of the roller coaster ride looking to the left (laughs) and and that that really hurt his neck so i was thinking maybe granny went on a ride similar to that and she went granny Thank you for such a wonderful day. This is amazing. And Granny turned to her and said, "I love you, Libby." The roller coaster went. Her neck was snapped, and Libby just stared at her, her dead grandmother with a snapped neck for the entire two minutes of that roller coaster ride. Oh my Jesus Christ! She's I, had a rough childhood. Guys. She's had literally a rough ride, <laughs> or a, a roller coaster There's, of a childhood. Yeah. Um, I mean, everything's got its ups and downs. Yeah. But um, I, I, I don't know about you. I'm never making fun of Libby again. Libby, uh, you know, cause we've decided that that's what happened. I and, was uh, going to say, yeah, we we've decided that, and, and, and what we decide goes really. Yeah. Our our head canon says. Libby watched her grandmother die in front of her because of a roller coaster ride that she suggested. Yes. So, yeah, like I don't think you'd ever quite recover from that. No. If you did, you'd probably have to be an adult and put it in perspective. As a teenager, you certainly wouldn't recover from that. So, yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Back home, and the literal metaphors are back in full swing. As Sabrina fills in the missing pieces of the jigsaw, her struggle with maths makes up the space on her Achilles heel. Hey. The piece from her mother makes up her cold shoulder. Hey. And the one from her grandmother fills in her heart. Yeah, that's yeah. just logical heart. Yeah. yeah. But there's one piece missing, isn't there? There <gasps> is. There is. And, she, and the time's run out. So, oh my God, it, it, she's killed Libby. But she's not. It turns out that the missing piece doesn't actually exist because it's Libby's compassion for others and to fill that space Sabrina must show compassion to Libby over time even when she doesn't show it to her so she must learn to work with her after all she's literally a broken puzzle she is she's a broken girl in more ways than one and yeah she's again I've said there's reason to the rhyme that this is why she's she's harsh to others and she's cold but it's just because there's She's not completely put together, and Sabrina just has to learn. She has to grow up and just let bygones be got bygones. Stop seeing Libby as a mean thing and think of her as a as a as a poor broken soul. Well, who's... As, a, as a person, which as yeah. I say, I don't think she has. No, no, up to I this point. That, yeah. I mean, when someone is horrible to you, it's tempting to just see them as a as a nuisance or an enemy, a menace, whatever, and not really think about like the person behind that and why they are the way they are. And and so there they are working together to grow together because Sabrina's not really thought of Libby as a person and Libby's not really been made to empathise with Sabrina. Excepting that there is a piece missing that she's got to fill uh, Libby 
pops back to life and yeah this this five foot something jigsaw puzzle turns into five foot something generally green she doesn't pop back to life mate she's inflated she yes is. <laughs> it was very reminiscent of a foot pump airbed <laughs> or indeed in space jam the greatest film ever when uh, wayne knight is flattened by the monsters and they have to inflate him with the pump yeah this is, she think... didn't fly she didn't fly around the room farting until um, she was back to normal size but um <laughs> Uh, that is I think that makes it three times we've referenced Space Jam in this show <laughs> hey it's contemporary it is it, yeah. for this time yeah, yeah. Uh, but no yeah she uh, she yeah, she inflates back to life and once again she's confused troubled and probably dangerously scared that she's once again woken up in the Spellman house unable to retrace her footsteps she's been to the Spellman house I think three times once was for the party yeah mm. where she did go voluntarily the other two times, she was a pineapple and a jigsaw, and when she returned to human form, she had no idea why she was there and was terrified. Yeah. I don't blame her for not liking Sabrina. Yeah, well, well when she was a pineapple, she woke up on a table. I mean, that's weird. That is very weird. She woke up on a table, like, sort of, like hunched into like a ball, didn't she? Yeah. yeah. This time round, she woke up on the floor. On her back. On her back with three people looking down at her. Yeah. Very weird. So yeah, maybe that's the reason why she's she's hurt because <laughs> she can't explain why she keeps waking up in places. Yeah. Oh man. So yeah, this really has sort of made us think about Libby in a completely different way. This yeah. Episode. Things aren't going well with the cleaning formula as it seems to turn everyone's skin into like moss. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just this horrible like gangrenous furry like, moss. The, the creature from the. Black Lagoon or something. Yeah, shit. like it's it looks like dry cabbage leaves. <laughs> <laughs> probably what it is. It's like but, spinach um, that. Uh, yeah. It's it's like if you come out of the sea and you've just been hit by a pile of sea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't quite know why. Maybe something so clean it turns it into cabbage. I don't, I don't know. Or I'm maybe, or maybe it's because everything is so clean that um, they've created themselves a superbug, you know, like the uh, MRSA virus or whatever it is in hospitals because of the improvement of uh, antiviral medications and um, antibiotics and whatnot. We've created a superbug ourselves. Maybe this is the superbug of the witching realm. Maybe. And, you know, the whole sort of principle that's often talked about of, you know, it's good to expose your children to germs because if if they're in a sterile environment, they won't be able to deal with it. So maybe maybe people are too clean now. Yes. It's it's nice to be grubby sometimes. But, uh, no, it turns into moss and, I mean, it looks minging. It looks disgusting. Um, Salem more so, he's... Poor bloke is covered in sort of moss as well and yeah. all over his black fur. And everyone's demanding refunds. And Salem is uh, very upset because he's just put down, uh, well, a down payment, a deposit on a condo in Florida. <laughs> in school, and the float has come along nicely as Sabrina and Libby have been able to work together. Kind of. She's Libby's still snapping at Sabrina, but then she says, I need some help with... Uh, this uh, tissue paper, I guess. Crepe paper. Um, and you wanted to switch on the screen. What does she say to make Libby sort of help her out? Uh, she says, "Oh, I do you say I need to? I need to get. I want to get this finished. I want to get finished so I can go and see my grandmother." And then Libby's sort of like, "Oh," and she sort of pretends to still be sort of resentful. She says, "No talking to me," but nonetheless, she helps because she can relate to that. The problem is, Sabrina's lying through her teeth about this thing that's really, really personal to Libby. Yeah. She's, like, really cheaply manipulating her. I I don't know what they could have done to sort of um, 
you know, find, find this missing piece and sort of, uh, you know, um, sort of complete sort of the arc. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's really the most sort of uh, morally upstanding resolution to it all, because yeah. yeah, she just she just lies about something that's very personal to mm. Libby to get her to help her. Craig needs to go to Jenna Lee Green because because. Uh, like that that reaction when she hears when Sabrina says, you know, I want to see my mother, it's it's a completely complete contrast in a usual Libby character. And she also plays the sort of conflict between trying to keep it together and still be Libby, yeah. but also being sort of emotionally affected in a way that she very rarely allows herself to be. It's probably one of the better bits of serious acting in the whole show. Just I think so, yeah. Just because it's not really required from the actors. I'm not saying they can't do it, because, you know, uh, there have been some, you know, Good emotional moments here and there, but yeah, yeah, generally green here. Um, yeah, she, she, yeah, she really, she really plays that moment very well. Yeah, it's really, really good. So Sabrina and Libby have incorporated both of their ideas. What it's like a, it's cheerleaders standing round newspapers about uh, what a truce between cheerleaders and journalists. Yeah, a, Is that a, right? gi- a giant newspaper like at the like the back of the float, so like the the framing of the float is this big newspaper which says, what is it? Truce between cheerleaders I think it is, and, yeah. and journalists, or so, so, but they've been able to they've been able to incorporate together. Um, Sabrina's kind of given up helping because she knows sort of Libby is just taking over, so she leave her be, leave her be. Um, she's instead uh, busy playing on her computer, playing Agents of Destruction on her computer, and when the quizmaster appears in the monitor, she decides to to shoot at him. It's not nice. <laughs> it's not nice. Is it? Yeah, he, he helped you. <laughs> yeah. Not, and you're not, just shooting him. Not only that, but how how does it how does it work? If he does get hit, does he get hit? If you know what does, I mean. Yeah. Does he feel it? Yeah. Yeah. Do, if he's he in the killed? game, yeah. does he does he feel the getting shot? Yeah. Mm. Horrible questions. Also, where's your computer plugged in? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, plugged into the engine. In, in through his <laughs> cigarette lighter. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I mean, naturally. Else? Naturally. <laughs> That's why it blew up. <laughs> to power a computer. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, spoiler alert, the, uh, the, the float doesn't virtually burn to the ground because the credits roll and Hilda and Zelda are complimenting Sabrina on her float design. However, it turns out that Harvey fucked up the engine and it just... Burnt to the ground overnight? Was there a school fire or was it outside when it burnt to the ground? Yeah, because it's in the... Well, gym? Gym, perhaps, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, Hilda, as we were alluding to at the start of the episode, says... And that represents how fra- what a fragile thing democracy is. Yeah, and she says... Never- you, uh, sorry, don't you mean democracy? Democracy. Well, democracy is fragile because it can very easily turn to democracy. Yay! Yay! Clever. Um, That's the message that we want you to take from the podcast. (laughs) And on that breezy note, that's uh, the end of episode 14, Five Easy Pieces of Living. So obviously this episode um, talked a lot about, uh, well, talks a lot about Libby. Uh, Was it nice, this level of um, of character development and insight into a character that just gets a lot of stick and criticism? It's compassion and intimacy. I think that's how I'm going to sum it up. Yeah, it certainly was... um, and talking about it has sort of made us think about it more. I mean, obviously, we've invented our own little sort of backstory about people. Even, <laughs> even taking that aside and basing it on what we've actually seen in the episode. And any show, particularly a comedy, I think, because it's some comedies never bother doing this. Any show sort of gains, I think, greater um, sort of depth and... Well, gains strength, essentially 
when the characters are fleshed out, when they're not one-dimensional, and when you do get to see sort of when the motivations for a character are examined. We've seen it with a lot of characters in this show that could just be stock. Really, we've seen it with Libby. We've seen it with Mr. Craft and Mr. Pool. What makes them the way they are, and Harvey too. So it was it was good to see Libby get that treatment because I think she is one character who we've had hints of sort of certainly her way of in episodes like Geek Like Me you see her way of thinking like how her sort of power dynamic how the way she tries to assert control over people what motivates it and the way yeah. it works but you never got to see certainly you never got to see her parents you never got to see her home life you never got to see what about her upbringing and her day to day existence mm-hmm. may cause her to be that way and I'm glad we got that at last yes. I thought it was executed very well Yes. Um, so obviously, one thing we've been we've been wanting to get out of these most recent episodes is, is uh, human, so just some some real story, not just zany magic. Chris, it was it was wasn't as emotional and heartfelt as some of the more human bits we've seen in the past. But seeing this real side to Libby, do you think do you think it worked? I I think I just want to reiterate my point from before. They've uh, the writers have found the missing piece of the puzzle. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, and fact, this episode really did did really well in striking a balance between keeping this zany sort of scientist in a can in a drum. Sorry, scientist <laughs> in a drum. What the fuck? Uh, and then had had still this the heart, the yes. heart of Sabrina. The show it really came into the forefront, and uh, we we got the quizmaster in in there as well. We're getting Sabrina's tests. We're we're, we're really it, it, it was just great. The yeah, fi- the it feel, was good. Yeah. The feels are back, and not at the expense of the gags. Yes, yeah. Yeah. That, that's so. what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I ju- I'm just lost for words because it's hit me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I absolutely agree with both. Yeah, I think it was a very good episode, strong episode, funny. Again, we had that. Gag that we were howling at, you know that we've, you know, we've not we've not laughed uh, that much. I think at a, at a joke in the show for a while. Um, what, but it still managed to mean, uh, maintain the real sort of serious character development side, which always gets full marks from me. But what do my marks mean? They mean shit. It's Chris's that matter. He is our quiz master. He's not our quiz master. I can be. Come if you want. Uh, he you is look our... great in purple. I do. I do look great in purple. <laughs> now he is our rank master, even. So he's uh, in charge of uh, giving this episode uh, a good, strong mark. And uh, we have to agree or disagree with him. Uh, so episode 14, Five Easy Pieces of Libby. What do you give it? You know what, guys? It's going to be fact that my heart has grown seven sizes. Wow. You want to see a doctor, mate? <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's more than the Grinch. I know, yeah. My heart's grown seven sizes from this episode, so therefore I'm giving it seven hearts have grown. Seven growing hearts. Graham, the same? I am gonna not not just because of the you know, sort of wonderful sort of emotional high that we're on. And you know how we all feel like each other a big hug at this moment. I am going to agree with Chris. I'd say seven is about right. And I'm feeling the love as well. I'm going to say seven as well. Oh, we we're feeling the love. We're right? feeling we are, the we are, love. We are, we are feeling, feeling the love. Because every time we disagree, Chris gets angry, and I, I want to keep the, the <laughs> I want to keep the mellow attitude. So for the sake of for sake of pleasantries and my blood pressure, yeah, yeah. keeping it seven. Chris doesn't like it when we fight. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> Um, boys, would you like to know what the next episode is called? Always. It's an interesting one. It's called Finger Licking Flu. 
Uh. <laughs> what the fuck? Episode 15, finger licking. Does flu. everyone get ill from eating KFC or something? Yeah, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> Not quite. Would you want to give a sort of a great. Feel free. Finger licking the flu. floor is yours. Okay, so yeah, finger licking good, as as most people probably know, is the uh, long time uh, catchphrase of Kentucky Fried Chicken of KFC. Maybe Zelda invents um, some delicious dish of some sort that they start sort of marketing but it turns out it makes everybody really ill and they have to uh, work to, to cure them sort of okay thing. okay Chris so I reckon like the time Coolio jumped out of the poster I think the colonel's gonna <laughs> jump out of a KFC bucket and <laughs> out of the bucket specifically <laughs> like a genie rub, rub the KFC yes. bucket rub the KFC bucket and, and the colonel pops out um, that's gonna happen at some point in the episode and it's because the colonel comes out that he's able to cure this mysterious illness that just that that tastes so good. So it's like a, a whole thing. So we've got the ge- the genie rubbing colonel. <laughs> you gotta rub the colonel. If you if you guess if you guess the recipe for the uh, secret spices, that happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, ostrich saliva. That's not it. But no, in all seriousness, I, I think a, a mysterious disease gets in from the other realm and starts infecting uh, mortals, much like. Um, Swine flu did to assume. Yeah, yeah, that came from the pig realm. <laughs> yeah, that came from the pig realm. <laughs> well, unfortunately, it's not. It's not rubbing the kernel and you get three spices. It's not that. Uh, <laughs> finger licking flu. Sabrina is struck down with uh, an illness which affects her pointing finger, and uh, the her illness causes magic to spread throughout uh, the school. Oh wow! But we ah. we we saw how gross the sort of the moss thing was. Her swollen red mingin finger is disgusting. Oh. It knocked me sick every so time it's on screen. It's not a foam hand then. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not, no. It just looks revolting. So, Finger Licking Flu is episode 15, our next one. Uh, thank you very much for joining us for this one, anyway. I have been Phil Dean. Thank you very much to my comrades, Mr. Graham Riley. Uh, yes, uh, you're welcome. Yeah, and I'd like to thank my comrade to the other side, Mr. Chris Evans. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, Phil. Thank you very much, Graham. And uh, we just want to uh, play out this episode dedicating it to uh, Libby's grandmother by singing her favourite hymn. Roller coaster of love. love. Say what? Roller coaster. <laughs> That's the scream the lady get killed in the back. <laughs> it's Libby's yeah. grandmother. Sabrina the Teenage Watch is available in many different formats, so whether you're listening to us on SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio or iTunes, please leave us a comment or a review. Your support means we get more listeners, and it means our hard work is not going to waste. And we can look at ourselves in the mirror. If you want to contact us or keep up to date with our episodes, you can follow us on Twitter at SabrinaWatch. And you can find us on Facebook, just search for Sabrina the Teenage Watch, and there we shall be. And thank you to you for listening wherever you are. And remember, may every little thing you do be, be magic. magic.